As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, and Ted Wynn. The Raiders at 0-1, getting set to take on the Arizona Cardinals. And, uh, you know, it's it's week one uh, in the books. We're getting ready for week two. And uh, kind of the classic aftermath of week one is, is overreactions. And so I wanted to start this show off by just simply asking, are we overreacting to the way the Raiders lost in week one? Um... They lost 24-19, five points on the road to the Chargers, a team that a lot of people think are Super Bowl contenders. We'll see if that bears out. But, I mean, the way they lost was kind of predictable, right? Their, their offensive line was not good. That's kind of what we expected. But yet, fourth quarter, they're down five. They have the ball, chance to win. You know, they, there were six sacks taken, but Carr also held onto the ball too much at times, I think. Overall, what do you guys think? Are we overreacting to... How bad the offensive line was, it, and, and does this really kind of hint to the fact that this team can't compete unless the offensive line gets going, or, or is there a chance that this team, hey, they, they, they can still they can figure it out, and, uh, and and things really weren't as bad as we're making them out to be? Yeah, I don't think we overreacted because I think we all picked them to lose by one score <laughs> going into the game, and then they lost by one score, and so went pretty much how I expected it to. Um, the offense was a little bit more lethargic, I think, than than I anticipated, but. I think the offensive line, you know, regardless of that, is going to be an issue moving forward. Like these guys aren't magically going to all of a sudden become great. You know, at best, you know, maybe they can get up to be an average before the end of the year. But most likely it's going to be something that the offense has to work around. And it helps or makes it easier to do that when you have, you know, talent like Devontae Adams, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, and a quarterback like Derek Carr. But 
if, if you're going against a top-tier defense like the Chargers, which I think they will be, you know, we'll, I guess we'll see, you know, going th- going on throughout the season, but they definitely have top-tier talent. Going to be a little bit more, a little bit tougher. Um, and so they're not playing the Chargers every week. Obviously, the, the Cardinals this week, you know, is a much, much weaker defense, I think, in my mind. And so it's going to show up against certain opponents more than others. You know, it's, it's not something that that's is going to completely wreck their season, I don't think, but it's, it's going to be tough at times. And so I think we had a, a pretty pretty appropriate reaction to it um, maybe fans are freaking out a little bit more but you know I think fans are going to do that every game yeah I think that uh, you know Derek Carr made like a handful of bad passes if he makes maybe only two or three bad passes then they might win that game so I thought um, I thought the Chargers are, are a really good team I, I still feel that way I think the Raiders are probably have a bigger learning curve because of the new staff and some new pieces but um, I think fans are obviously frustrated I mean it's a you're fired up to start the season, and you, and you lose a game to your, uh, your rivals. But, um, yeah, I think they're fine. I think they'll just um, – they have a nice schedule coming up but like this week. they got a nice layup coming up. So, I think Raider fans will be happy uh, again on Monday. Yeah, I mean, I think we were pretty positive. After the game, you lose to a team that could potentially be a Super Bowl contender by five points. Is It's not that bad of a loss. And, you know, just those car passes that he missed, I, you know, I, I think – inaccuracy is not one of his issues so I, I i think that as we move along the season and gets more acclimated in his offense um those issues will be solved it's not something to panic about if they lose to the cardinals maybe it's time to pa- panic but this is uh not something to panic about you know and for all of our hand wringing about the offensive line the Raiders obviously recognize that they need to get better there. They worked out several offensive linemen this week, including a familiar name, Kalecio Semele, uh, was was uh, getting everybody all excited when he was Instagram storing a, a picture of the Raiders team hotel. Uh, they also worked out Ode Obushi, who was, uh, you know, I think he, he briefly was with them in, in camp a few years back. And, you know, he was with the Chargers, uh, started, I think, five games last year before tearing his ACL. So he's coming off of an injury. Obviously, it was Kalecio. We know what the kind of impact he brought to that team when he was signed uh, you know, back the first time, um, 2016. I mean, he, he kind of brought a new attitude to that offensive line, was a all-pro, pro bowler, but hasn't played in two years since tearing both knees on the same play uh, for the Chiefs back in 2020. Vic, he, uh, he, he did not leave Vegas with a deal. And uh, do you think there could be any reconnection there? Or do you think uh, they took a look at him and, uh, and, and they're ready to start looking at other guys? Yeah, the word I got was he wasn't wasn't a great visit as far as his knees and maybe he's a little little big, um, maybe not quite in the best of shape right now. I know he's lifting, you see him lifting on his social media, but uh, maybe uh, cardio-wise and maybe in terms of uh, overall football shape's not quite there. So I think the knees are going to be a huge hurdle to overcome. So he's trying, which I think is kind of cool because he took a couple of years off and, and traveled the world. But uh, he enjoyed his stay at the... Uh, the Raiders Hotel, who's talking about the size of the pool and everything. But, uh, no, it's not going to happen. So Raider fans were nostalgic for a second. But it's time to uh, focus on this uh, this four-line rotation of, of seven guys, hopefully getting better. A little breaking news we'll, uh, I'll bring you uh, as we're recording the podcast from a former Raiders offensive lineman, Alex Leatherwood. Uh, by the, Bear, the Bears placed him today on the non-football illness list. He is not in the building. He will be out for at least four weeks. Um, so... Just uh, a little breaking news as we're recording here. Alex Leatherwood, uh, non-football illness list for the Bears, and he's uh, he's taking some time away. We have enough offensive line problems to think about, Jimmy. Okay, we don't we don't have to think about a non-Raider <laughs> old lineman anymore. Yeah, I was going to say they, uh, according to ESPN, they they did make an addition yesterday, signing a uh, Billy Price to the practice squad. Um, he's a 
center. And so maybe that's uh, sort of an indicator for them preparing for the status of Andre James, who uh, got banged up on the last play uh, of the game against the, or last offensive play of the game against the Chargers and um, had to be evaluated for concussion in L.A. before coming back to Vegas. And so we'll see today and then moving forward if he's able to get back out there and practice. Um, but it seems like they may be sign Billy Price as a little bit of an insurance if they do end up needing a backup center if, if James can't go this week against the Cardinals. And so in addition to the right side, basically, you know, being unsettled at this point, you know, there also may be um, a situation on their hands at, at center. Well, if Parham ends up playing well at center and Cotton and Simpson, you know, are solid at, at guard, you know, I, I wonder how safe Andre James's job is if when he does come back. But Parham did look really good at guard too. Center is a little bit different with the mental responsibilities, but I just think he can prevent provide more of a physical presence right up the middle. All right, let's talk about some of the other injuries on the team. Um, we didn't get much from Josh McDaniels on Monday. Uh, at the 10:30 Monday presser is uh, is well timed if you don't want to provide injury updates because you usually don't have. Uh, the guys in the building yet you don't have mri results back yet so uh and we know mcdaniels is not going to be keen to, to give us more than he has to um we'll know more wednesday after they practice uh, see who's out there they'll have to put out the injury report but the one we do know will be out for a little while is anthony averett the cornerback was placed on injured reserve will miss at least four games they did make a couple additions uh they claimed javelin gidry off rate waivers um former cardinal he played Played quite a bit for the Jets. I think he had five starts, played 28 games over the past two years. And then uh, Nickel, uh, Roby Coleman, veteran, signed him to the practice squad. Could be a guy that they elevate um, if they need some help. So some help in the secondary. And then we're, we're kind of waiting and seeing, really, you know, uh, Denzel Perryman, obviously, you want to know his status. Uh, Trayvon Merrig, pretty important back there at safety. Uh, we don't know yet, but they are a little bit more banged up after coming into the, the opener with a, a clean injury report. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, at least for what we know so far, it seems like Avery is the most significant. He's the only guy that got got placed on IR. Um, I guess you know, theoretically, some other guys could go on later this week, but it seems like he's going to be the only one so far. Um, and and you know, the, obviously signing to kill Roby Coleman and, and Javelin, you know, gives him a little bit more more cushion there at the cornerback position. Um, and I think the you know the biggest change is it may not even be a change because Nate Hobbs is already playing a little bit of inside and outside. Um, it, it seemed like. You know, uh, against the the Chargers, that when they whenever they were in their base defense, he would play outside, and then when they would go nickel, he would slide over inside. And so, maybe that's something they just keep doing with Averett out moving forward. Um, but it, you know, he's he's already been playing well, but you know, it kind of just puts maybe more pressure on him to to keep that up uh, moving forward for for however long Averett's out. And I think Roby Coleman, um, you know, kind of gives him some nice insurance at that at that nickel spot. They don't really have a great option to to put somebody there, you know, when when Hobbs isn't there. And so, kind of interested to see how they balance that moving forward. And then, you know, the Meek Robertson, Sam Webb, they'll be in the mix as well. And so, I think we're going to see a lot a lot of rotation at cornerback um, moving forward for however long it takes Avert to get back. You know, outside of him, you know, Merrick having a hip issue, obviously that's. You know, we'll, we'll see, you know, if he's able to get back on the practice field today, but that's probably the, the, the next most significant one. You know, I thought Jonathan Avery played pretty well last week against the Chargers. Um, he moved around a lot. And so, you know, maybe they end up being all right if he if he can't go at safety. But obviously, you know, he's somebody who's expected to be one of their more dynamic playmakers on the back end this year. And so of the injuries, it's, it seems like the, the secondary is, is going to be the group that's the most in flux based on what happens. Yeah, we've talked a lot about uh, Hobbs, you know, this 
training camp and his ascension. And I just think it's um, it's a very exciting player. I think the next step for him is to start making you know, some turnovers. But I can definitely see that. So I think uh, if you're a Raiders fan, it's one thing you're kind of looking at, watching games, kind of uh, you know, anticipating what he can do next. They started out with uh, him playing the nickel, you know, in in nickel or sub packages. So. You know, I wonder if he's going to play outside a, a, a lot more now with uh, Averett Hurt. They did sign a nickel. Um, his, his name is Nickel, and he, he's a nickel corner too. Uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that's one of the Dad's best proud of that one. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if they're just looking to play him outside more with the the Averett injury. You know, it might be a little easier to find a replacement inside than a, a replacement outside. You know, I, I think they cut Darius Butler it, hoping to develop some of the younger guys. But, you know, I, I wonder if they regret that now, not having some veteran depth in the in the secondary. I mean, Darius Phillips. Yeah, Darius yeah, Phillips. I was Darius sorry. Butler. I was like... <laughs> not, yeah, not, not, the, not, the analyst, not the analyst. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I thought he was done. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Hobbs, he played, I think he played 20 snaps, according to True Media, outside last week. So... Um, he got a good amount of burn there, so I think your theory would probably end up being proven to be true. And you know, Perriman would be interesting. Uh, I think he missed most of this, the second half with that ankle injury. You know, he's been a guy that uh, in years past, you know, the, the only I mean, he, when he's on the field, he's he's very impactful, but he hasn't been able to stay on the field really for an entire season, his whole career. And you know, they have some pretty good depth at linebacker. I thought Devon Diablo and Jayon Brown played pretty well last week, and you know, Luke Masterson got in there a little bit, um, and he looked pretty good in the preseason. So. You know, they have some good depth at that spot, but obviously, you know, with the difference that he makes in the run game, they want Perriman out there. And so, yeah, they have a few, you know, Andre James. So those are the, they, they went into week one really clean, but they, they got banged up a good amount in that opening game. And so we'll, I guess we'll see the severity of those those injuries moving forward. Biggest thing they can do to help the secondary, right, is if they can get that pass rush going. And uh, a lot was made of this being an elite pass rush with Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. Uh, no sacks in the opener. Yeah, although we, we talked about it on the, on the postgame show, very good offensive line they're going up against and a quarterback who, who's really good at, uh, at eluding sacks. Now they're going up against another elusive quarterback, but uh, not nearly as good of an offensive line in the Cardinals. Chandler Jones facing his former team. Do we expect that, that the uh, the pass rush really is, is able to kind of make an impact in this game? And, and we saw how much of an impact the Chargers pass rush had against the Raiders. Do we think week two, this is where we could see the Raiders kind of have that kind of an impact? A surprising number that I saw after the game from PFF that the Raiders were actually fifth in pressure percentage in week one. And rewatching the game, it was just Herbert's just really good at avoiding pressure. I mean, you know, the first third down, Chandler Jones actually beat Rashawn Slater, sort of beat him. He, he he got past Rashawn Slater and grabbed Herbert's ankle, but he just was able to throw a strike downfield for a third down anyways. So if they could keep that pressure percentage up against a Cardinals line that's nowhere near as good as the, the Chargers O-line, you know, I think Kyler Murray's going to have a tough time. Yeah, I agree. One of the reasons I said it was a layup this week is I think the pass rush will get home. I think the Cards' off, uh, offensive line is not very good, so I think there's a lot of things that will click this week for them and didn't click last week. I think Max Crosby and John Jones have big games on Sunday. Yeah, I think just as important as it is for them to get home, it's also important they do a better job of containing the pocket. It seemed like Herbert was pretty much getting free whenever he wanted to, and that led to some some plays downfield. And Kyler Murray is even more mobile and, and a similar kind of quarterback in, in that aspect. And so I think that would be an area where they really need to step forward, especially if the, the secondary – we already know it's going to be shorthanded without Averitt, but if they have some additional absences, uh, you don't want to put any additional pressure on them. And as you guys said about Chandler Jones going against Rashawn Slater, I mean, he – 
he lined up exclusively on on, on that defensive right side, which is the, the offensive left in the first game. And we expect for that to be the same thing this week. And I mean, the Cardinals have a, have a solid left tackle, DJ Humphreys. You know, I think they just gave him a big extension, but I'd say he's a pretty significant downgrade from from Rashawn Slater. And so, and, I, and I'm sure Chandler, he probably won't say it, but it, he should have some extra extra juice this week going up against his old team. And so. Uh, I think this is where he kind of makes his mark uh, in his debut for the Raiders. Or not debut, but home debut for the Raiders. Yeah, I, I do think it's an advantage for a pass rusher. He he knows the offensive lineman he, he's going against, too. So, um, you know, I, I, th- I think Jones will get his first sack as a Raider this week. And he also knows how slippery Kyler Murray is. He's seen enough of him in practice because, I mean, Murray is one of those guys that when you haven't played against him, you know, it, it is hard to, you know, kind of knowing those angles, knowing the speed that you have to come at him with. Um, so I think that will be to Jones's benefit that he's practiced against him he, he kind of knows uh, exactly what Kyler can do he probably knows some of his his little moves to avoid uh avoid hits and whatnot and uh yeah I I agree I think uh this is, this is where we see him uh, get his first sack and everyone that was crying that hey Chandler Jones is quiet in his debut like we'll uh we'll, we'll probably shut up after this Sunday we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Offensively, what do the Raiders need to do against the Cardinals team? They gave up, uh, I think, 44 points to the Chiefs last week. You know, we know that, that the Raiders' offense has playmakers, and we saw the, the kind of debut that Devontae Adams had. Uh, I mean, is it just a matter of, of Carr playing better? Um, I mean, we you know, we know the pass protection issues, but, uh, I mean, Carr did not help his offensive line, I think, it is a fair statement in that game. He was... Uh, you know, he he. There are things he can do to uh, to help that line, and uh, you know, what, what do we think the Raiders need to do to uh, to be able to take care of the Cardinals? Yeah, I think they're going to have to speed things up offensively uh, in terms of when I say that cars processing and and kind of reading the, the, the defense. I think the Cardinals are going to be pretty pretty aggressive. I mean, they blitz more than any other team uh, against the league last week, and that was going against probably one of the best quarterbacks in the league. It picks apart the blitz. It probably wasn't smart, but if they're going to blitz Patrick Mahomes, they're surely going to blitz Derek Carr on this offensive line. And the Chargers didn't really blitz much last week because they really didn't have to. They were able to get pressure with four, but the Cardinals are going to send some extra pressure. And so, you know, I think there's going to be a game where they should really lean in some more of those quick hitting passes and 
you know, even kind of exploit some of those blitzes with the run game. You know, they, they did on, on a per carry basis. They ran the ball pretty well against the Chargers. They just didn't run it often. They only ran 13 times. But, you know, the Chiefs were able to have a lot of success running the ball against the Cardinals last week. You know, even though Patrick Mahomes, you know, he threw five touchdowns, but they were also running the ball really well. And so I think leaning into that quick hitting passing game, running the game, running the ball some more early on in the game could be a good way to kind of make the Cardinals pay for that aggressiveness. And naturally, if, if, as they adjust to that, that could open up some of the bigger pass plays downfield. Um, later on in the game, maybe some play action, things of that nature. And so I think just having sort of a maybe more patient and balanced approach offensively would be good for them to kind of counteract, uh, you know, Vance Joseph and this, this Cardinals defense. Yeah, I think Carr is pretty good against the Blitz historically. So I think that's kind of going into his strengths. I think uh, they'll probably throw Devontae 17 more times and maybe get Hunter Renfro involved a little earlier on. But they just have too many weapons uh, for a Cardinals defense that really didn't look very good last week. So I think Carr will be... Uh, it's a nice opponent for them to get back on track with. I think their offense should be fine. Maybe I wouldn't mind seeing some more screen passes, kind of get the running backs more involved in the passing game. But, um, yeah, I think Carr's uh, sitting pretty in this matchup. I would think that against a defense that blitzes and uses as many D-line games as, as the Cardinals, the offensive line rotation kind of halts this week because you need some communication and chemistry between your offensive linemen to be able to hand, handle this kind of scheme. And I think maybe Mumford might not get as much playing time because Illuminor is a little bit older and he, he could, you know, handle these type of blitzes. And, uh, you know, in the interior, if James can't go, you just, you know, have one less guy in rotation anyways. So uh, offensive line chemistry is going to be key. Um, I mean, obviously Carr is going to be in charge of sniffing out these pressures. He doesn't have Rodney Hudson helping him uh, on the offensive line anymore. So he's going to really have to be on top of um, sniffing out these blitzes and getting rid of the ball hot when he's responsible for doing so. Yeah, it's going to be a test for this offensive line. It just hasn't built any chemistry because of, you know, the, the competition there and having to rotate so much. Yeah, I don't know if we're, we're going to stop seeing the rotation. I think that's probably going to continue being a thing on the right side. Um I guess it kind of depends also if, if Andre James can go or not. Because if he does if he doesn't go, then Parham's gonna be at center and Lester Cotton's gonna be a right guard. So it'll be more about the right tackle position at that at that time. But it doesn't seem like they really like are too happy with like the play at all on the right side, which is kinda of interesting because you know, really you look at the numbers, I mean they gave up more pressures, um and I, I think more sacks coming from the left side last game with, with Colton Miller and John Simpson having some issues over there. Um but yeah, I'm not so certain that the, that the offensive line rotational part is going to stop. I think the X factor in this game is definitely J.J. Watt. He missed last game with a calf injury. I think he's back this week. I don't think it's a serious enough injury where he's going to be out for too long. But clearly he's the kind of guy that can wreck a game and kind of maybe have a you know, Khalil Mack-type performance against this line. If that happens, then maybe my whole layup thing is out the window. But I think you can uh, plan against one guy better than two last week. So... Again, if Watt has a great game, then maybe we're talking about the O-line again on Sunday. But uh, I think they'll be okay. I think they'll be able to handle him and, and move the ball pretty well. I don't think people can handle much more O-line talk from us. It's not really sexy, is it? It's not really talking. We're talking about these guys. It's <laughs> not really terribly exciting. But, uh, hey, maybe we're like doing some cutting-edge stuff. Maybe the seven-man rotation is the, the future of uh, the NFL O-line coaching. Maybe McDaniels is ahead of the curve here. Maybe we're not just catching. We're, we're slow catching up. But, uh We'll see. It just, it may, it, it, whatever. I mean, it just, to me, it's just bizarre how, like, they keep saying, uh, we have these seven guys, they've competed all of track camp, and now we're, I guess they've earned this chance to keep playing. But 
to me, they lost Enzo Good. They lost Brandon Parker. They didn't really bring anybody else in. Like, they didn't bring any veteran guys to compete with the, uh, these guys they have. So, you're not really sure if these seven guys are your best possible seven guys. You, I mean, so, and they have plenty of money. So, I know they don't like this guy. They don't like that guy in the free agent market. But at some point, you got to bring a veteran in who's done it for a while and give him a chance. Like, even the last few Warriors teams, they brought in Sam Young, a guy who's, you know, 11-year veteran who's not by any means a great player. But... He knows tricks of the trade. He knows how to survive in the trenches. He's a guy who can not only push other guys, but also maybe, you know, give him some tips and help him out a little bit. So I am surprised. I am still surprised I haven't brought anybody in like that in the last uh, month or so. I mean, the whole argument of we have seven guys, you know, it's the same thing as when you have a quarterback competition that goes down to like the end of training camp. You're like, oh, you know, we t- have two guys we love now. If you have two guys you love, you don't have one. If you have seven guys you love, you don't have five. You've got to try to talk these guys up because you got to try to build their confidence. But the fact that they're working out guys, uh, you know, they're, they're, nobody's fooling us into thinking that they, they really believe that they have seven quality guys. Um, so. All right, let's take some questions, guys. Uh, we'll start with this one. Uh, this be a good one for Ted from uh, uh, Beluga. It says, why did McDaniel stay away from empty sets on later downs? He used it on first downs and had great success. Break it down, Ted. Why Ted. did he go away from the empties? Uh, I mean, with empties, you're trying to hit quicker hitting plays. You know, you're with empty, you're not really going downfield as much. So if you're... You know, in a third and ten, then you know you, you might want to stay in a regular formation and try to get a little more chip help or, or whatnot to go go downfield more. All right, here's one from Alex Sharplin. Uh, isn't Carr always a bit off in the first game of the season? Seem to remember it happening the last couple of years. Wasn't that one game after the whole Antonio Brown uh, fiasco? Didn't he come out firing that first game? It was against the Broncos, I want to say. He was dealing that first game, I believe. That was just like, two years ago, so. Last, last season he was a little I think he was like off in the first half of the opener I think he was you know I mean that was the first game in Vegas with fans so you know kind of makes sense he was a little overhyped but he, he settled down and I mean that ended up being a you know incredible game obviously yeah I mean again I think we'll give him I, I give him the benefit of the doubt in this one I think uh what Devontae Adams said that McDaniel's offense is kind of like learning Mandarin so Card's a very smart guy he's you know, been doing this his whole life with his brother reading defenses but I'm sure it's an adjustment you, you know you gotta learn um what he can or can't do and what you're looking for in these, in these offensive sets. So um, I think he's fine. I'm not worried about Derek Carr. All right, next question here from Kahan. Uh, do you guys think Nate Hobbs can be a star this year? Could his coming out lessen the impact of the Averitt injury and the Mullen trade? Everyone's really still mad about the Mullen trade. Uh, he's hurt still, right? And, and he really hadn't proven himself as much as I think people think he had. But Nate Hobbs, is he a star? Star, I mean, I think he could maybe be like a pro bowler this year, perhaps, if he settles into more. Because I uh, I feel like Nichols kind of get overlooked sometimes. But if he's playing outside more and makes continues to make plays, you know, kind of in both of those spots and, and moving around and taking on, you know, teams' toughest matchups, I think he'll start to get some, some hype as the year goes on. So even if he doesn't make it, I think he can be, you know, a, a pro bowl caliber cornerback overall by the end of this year. In terms of Trayvon Mullen, I, I mean, I, you know, they traded him basically for nothing. So, like, I think he was, like, solid when he was healthy. Like, I don't remember, you know, some people were pretty down on him, but I thought he was okay at least. Um, and so, especially with the, the injuries, like, hindsight is 2020. They didn't expect Averitt to break his thumb in week one. But, you know, I, I kind of get them, you know, it, it did seem like why it didn't seem like they really had a reason to trade him, you know, necessarily. Like, it, I don't think it would have hurt you to have another starting cornerback on the roster potentially. So I get it. But on the Hobbs question, I, I do think he can be 
uh, really good for them and maybe their best defensive back this year. I think with Molin, all the other draft picks the last five years have been like dumpster fire picks, just like awful. And he wasn't awful. I mean, so everyone's like, ah, oh, this guy, this guy's the man. But obviously he wasn't the man. But I just think people kind of had a maybe elevated sense of what he was because of everybody else they drafted. But um, clearly the new regime didn't, uh, wasn't feeling it. And they kind of gave him away, which um, I don't think he's going to do much in Arizona. But um, we'll see. But yeah, I think Raider fans are just kind of still... A little sensitive about the draft picks because uh, it's been an amazing uh, waste of capital the last five years. So maybe that's part of it. All right. This question here from Jeff Hahn uh, might make us a little hungry. He says, uh, McDaniels mentioned that week one is a little more chocolate and vanilla when it comes to the playbook. What week do you think the offense will be fully running with all of his concepts? When, when's it going to be like little uh, Neapolitan? I don't know. Some, some mint the, chip. The, the swirls in there. Some nuts. Some cherries. <laughs> Whipping. I don't know if he's talking if he's talking cake, if he's talking ice cream, I'm not sure what, what flavors we're, we're going with, but Hopefully they get it going pretty soon, right? I mean they got the, some big games coming up. We got the Broncos and Chiefs weeks uh weeks four and five. So if your offense isn't functioning on on all levels by then then something went wrong. You'll start to see some sprinkles in by uh weeks four and five. Ooh, sprinkles. Yeah, some some sprinkles, maybe some crushed Oreos by week four and five. But it's it's gonna be like mid season toward you know, when you really have the, the playbook in, you know, you hear about all the times. It's not just one. I, I've, you hear about all the time how hard it is for the Patriots to learn that Patriots offense. It really is a tough offense to learn. So, yeah, I think mid midseason is when you start seeing everything going maybe full cylinder. But I think we'll see it get a little bit more exotic by four and five. Maybe something I'm more interested in is like the offense. Like, I don't know what it is with them, like, especially last year. Like, they would just start off playing like shit and then in the second half they're like the greatest offense of all time like the same thing happened to the Chargers like they you know I think like 3.9 yards per play in the first half and then like 7.1 yards per play in the second half it's like when they get behind and like gets late all of a sudden everything just starts clicking for them I wonder what what, it, what the issue is early on I'm sure they're not running completely different concepts in the second half or anything of that nature so I wonder what's behind kind of their issues early in games and kind of avoiding getting into those deficits Right now, you got Raider fans screaming, Derek Carr, Raider, Derek Carr is a problem. Oh, my God. Just the whole McDaniels as a whole, it is kind of a weird dichotomy where it's, like Ted, you mentioned, it's going to take time for them to, to kind of grasp his system. But, like, the way this team is built, like, with veterans, with star power, they don't really have time to, like, to just sit there and, like, ah, right, yeah, let's let's give it a couple years for Derek Carr and Devontae Adams and Darren Waller to, you know, to develop. All these guys that are, like, in their 30s, we'll, we'll give them time to develop. Nah, they, they need to hit the ground running. So, uh, yeah, I think I think they need to, uh, to to get it going this week, and uh, they probably will. I gave them a week. I gave them last week to get it all situated and comfortable. Now, we got to see what's going on. we got to see some results this Sunday. And, I mean, again, like, it was an opener on the road against a very good Chargers team that we all expected them to lose. There you go. They're fine. Merry Christmas. They're Mulligan. Fine. Merry Christmas. But now, they're fine. home opener, Cardinals. I want uh, we got to see a 37 points. 37 points are bust. All right. We're going to get to the predictions in a minute. We do have one last question here from JB. I haven't been paying attention to this, so I don't know if you guys have. That's uh, a great lead to a question. Jesus Christ. Right, go ahead. No, <laughs> wait till you hear the question. <laughs> Did McDaniels Institute a post-game two-day moratorium on players using social media have, have players been off social media uh since uh since game day i i, I don't know wow. I, uh, 
I, I don't I don't lock into uh, to what guys are tweeting uh, that much. I, I leave that to, wow. to you guys. I know I know Ted loves to study the uh, the player social media habits. I don't I don't really follow a ton of them on Twitter, but I saw Jonathan Abram post a picture of his like pregame outfit and you know a picture of him in the game and like like they won the game. So I thought that was kind of weird. But so Sean, you probably follow more of the players than I do. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any sort of, I don't, I don't know where he got that from. I saw plenty of them on social media after. I think like this caused a story yesterday. I think John Simpson like posted a, a peace sign and then deleted his Twitter account or something like that. So was, wow, you know, freaking out. Like, he was saying yeah, that's, that's what you got to dig into in the locker room yeah. today. Yeah, I just think can. after after wins, players are going to tweet and do more posts. After losses, I mean, they realize that their fan base is not really the most huggable after losses so i don't think they want to <laughs> dance with those guys in, in that form so i just think it's more uh, i mean i'm not sure but i think it's more of a lost thing versus a new policy by mcdaniels yeah i'm looking max crosby he he he's tweeted since the game and Derek Derek carr is the kind of guy that like he's he's a big you get him in the off season and he goes tweeting like crazy and then he gets into the end of the season he usually calms it down on uh on there i mean as you would kind of think you should all right Prediction time. We all predicted the Raiders to lose last week. Who wants to go out on a limb and predict an 0-2 start and draw all the ire of our State of the Nation listeners? This is a new era. When when we have a consensus pick, that it's going to happen now. It's a new era of State of the Nation. It's a lock. I agree with you. If they lose to the Cardinals, then, uh, whoa, whoa. I can't imagine. I can't see it. I just think the Cardinals are kind of a mess. I think the Cardinals, uh, they fell apart down last year. The whole contract uh, shenanigans with, uh, you know, with the homework class. Has gotten in his four hours yet? Has Kyler exactly. gotten in his four hours yet this They hurt his feelings. They deleted they, they canceled the homework clause. <laughs> he looked terrible in the first game. Defense just looked awful. I mean, everyone's saying the Chiefs are back and Chiefs don't need Tyreek Hill, but that defense, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it'd be hard not to score against them last week. So I think the Raiders win big. I'm going 37 to 20 Ooh, uh, Raiders. I think they um, they get the offense going and everyone's happy on Monday. Yeah, I'm, I'm picking the Raiders too. I'm thinking more along the lines of, say, let's say 30 to 21. I'm thinking of, I think they'll win pretty comfortably. I think the, the Cardinals' aggressiveness comes back to bite them on the defensive end and Raiders are able to hit some more of those big plays early and often and don't have to play from behind in this one. And um, I think with the if they get the Cardinals in some situations, some obvious passing situations, that, that help, helps contribute to their pass rush getting going. And we see, you know, Max Crosby and, and Chandler Jones start to create some havoc back there in the backfield. And so I think the Raiders bounce back and, and start things off at home with a win. Hmm, I'm going to say 30 to 20. If I was betting, I would keep track of uh, Kyler Murray's video game hours this week, you know, see how much Call of Duty he's playing. If it's over five hours, I, I bet big on the Raiders. It was it double XP weekend. He's like uh, winless in his career, right? This is all trackable data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> all right, I'm I'm going with the big day for the defense. I think they hold Cardinals to 17. The offense, I think, is is good, but still, still not fully on track. But I'm going with a 27-17, a 10 point victory. But uh, a nice day for the defense. Four sacks, at least one Ooh, interception. Four sacks. Four sacks. Hey, we were all we were all right last week. If we're all right this week, I think we got like a reverse jinx. Jinx. I think we all decide to like agree. If we all agree, then that means that's going to happen. We'll see. I like it. We'll start promoting that. Like Raider fans will tune in to see who we pick because they know that will be the lock. I like yeah, it. lock of the week. 
All right, y'all. Well, that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. We'll be back on Sunday post-game after the Raiders take on the Arizona Cardinals. All right, y'all. Later. Adios. Ooh, sprinkles. Yada, 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 yada.